this is Billy West, and I do a bunch of cartoon voices. You probably heard of me. Maybe not. And then you're listening to Four Finger Discount. You're one stop for this sort of thing. Four Finger Discount, dude. Welcome to Four Finger Discount, proudly brought to you by the Simpsons Quest. Nobody gets any more Facebook page, no homers.net, and pop culture. Pop culture is on board. Pop culture is now on board. I am Dando. I am Mitch, and I'm very excited by that news. I was say, Mitch is very, very excited. That perked me up. Yes, they've given us some giveaways to give to all our patrons out there. You so know, the real shame is that we're going to be releasing this particular podcast this week, and we've recorded seven in advance where we don't mention pop culture. But I've re-recorded pop culture into the uh, intro. Have you- I'm very, very clever like that. Yeah, nice. Now, in the Is room, it in a completely different voice? Yes. Is okay. it like Mr. Black? Pop culture. Yeah. <laughs> Should I do it like that? Yes. I'll go, I'll go back and fix it. <laughs> Before we get into today's interview, how exciting is it? This, this came out of the blue. Yeah. Yeah, this was a surprise for us. Well, we teased it listeners. on the weekend when we promoted Billy West being at Supernova, the, yeah. the Pop Culture Expo in Australia. But that wasn't even year. really a thing. It was Like for us, it was just saying, hey, Billy West is in town. If you're in Adelaide, get over to Supernova. Yeah. But basically this morning, I get an email saying, hey, guys, you can still do the interview. Mm. I'm like, oh, Mitch is at work. Now I feel bad. So basically the Billy West interview that we're about to play you is done by me and me only. Yes, because so sorry, I, I just I couldn't get here. I tried to push it. I asked you, can yeah. you do it on your lunch break? But it just this couldn't happen. Yeah. But what did we do afterwards? So then at about, well, I don't know, 5.15, I reckon, later that day, I was on my way over this way battling like Hurricane Sammy to get here. <laughs> Holy shit, did the weather turn on us. Yeah. And you say, dude, can you get here as quickly as possible? Because we've also lined up John DiMaggio. Yes. Now, that name... That might not be as much of a household name, but Bender from Futurama. Yes, he's also Jake from Adventure Time as well. Yeah. Yep, yeah. He's, d- he's done plenty. Shitloads and shitloads of work that we get into in the interview. Yes. Um, and, and, and Mitch is the only one that did that one. I thought I felt bad that Billy was just with me, so I said, you know what? Mitch, you can do this one I by like yourself. theatre of the mind that you know we could have sold it had we not completely told people how all that worked, that we could have <laughs> sold it that we were both at Supernova in separate hotel rooms or something like that. That would have worked, but uh, do you reckon Billy and John share a room? No. They're grown men. <laughs> we would. Yeah, well, we, yeah, we're not famous and rich. Exactly. So I hope you enjoy our interview with Billy West coming up right now. Stay tuned. Hey, guys. Dando here for Four Finger Discount. And today I'm lucky to be joined by an icon of the voice acting industry. Not only has he starred in classic movies such as Space Jam, but he's also worked on many shows such as Ren and Stimpy, Doug, Futurama, you name it. He is, of course, Billy West. Billy, thanks for your time, mate. How are you? Thank you for the big drum roll. <laughs> you deserve it, my good sir. <laughs> How, so, obviously, you're here for Supernova. How did it all go? Um, Supernova was great. It's always great. You know, people are so darn nice, and, uh, you know, it's a pleasure to be here. We, uh, Me and the rest of the guys really enjoy it. And I've been to uh, Adelaide a couple of times. I've been to Sydney. I've been to Melbourne. I've been to Perth. I've been to, uh, let's see, Brisbane. The other capital. <laughs> yes, it's fun. I yeah. like it a lot. Yeah, yeah. What do people in, at the Aussie Expos mostly know you for? Is it Futurama or is it more of your 90s stuff? You'd be surprised. I mean, you know, I cover like there's 70-year-olds that remember me from the old, old days. Yeah. And there's like little kids that are five, you know, so it's quite a span. Do you still enjoy doing these voices? I mean, you've spent your whole career doing them. Do you yourself still enjoy doing them even when you're not being paid to do it? Well, what do you think? Probably not. <laughs> if, it if it wasn't for Philip J. Fry, Billy West would be driving a truck <laughs> full time. 
<laughs> oh, that makes me so happy hearing that. <laughs> so uh, the, the, the art of voice acting has changed so much over the last 20 years. I mean, now to get a gig, you just pretty much got to be considered a celebrity. Is that something like a classic actor such as yourself? Is that something you begrudge or? Um, I, I don't dig it. You know, I mean, to me, it doesn't do anything for me. It's just it's just a character. It's there's nothing magical about somebody bringing who and what they are to a animated character. That doesn't make any sense to me. You know, you have to you have to create something that'll be evergreen. You know, maybe the movie will always look spectacular, but eventually, when nobody knows who these people are, they're going to just sound anemic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sorry, you know, I mean, I have the right to say that. I'm 65. I've been doing this for 30 years. Yeah, yeah you are Mr. Voice Acting. You can say whatever you want. Where do you see voice acting in, say, 10 years' time? Do you think there's still the, the art of voice acting will still be around, or do you think it's sort of dwindling a bit? I think it'll still be around because um, nobody gave a dismal damn about voice acting. When I started out, I was just like, you know, one in thousands of people, but so was so were all my peers from different parts of the country that you wind up going to Los Angeles or New York and you finally all meet each other. But, you know, it was like no one cared. No one knew anything about it. I didn't really know anything about it. There was no school you could go to or a teacher. Or there were no books on it, you know, no Internet, no nothing. No, uh, no bank machines. No ATM. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you've no said cell phones. I was living in the Stone Age. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you, you, you've said that your radio career when you first started out helped you get into like or helped you prepare for voice acting. What what aspects do you think were the most beneficial in regards to your, your radio career? Um, that I just no matter what shape I was in, I would bring passion and inspiration to the job every day. And the thing is, with all the comic cons and everything, people do know who does what characters, and they. They've become uh, wildly interested in the field of voice acting. And my buddy, John DiMaggio, who plays Bender on uh, yeah. Futurama, he put out a, a documentary called I Know That Voice. And a lot of people, lots of people have seen it. And uh, now they know, like, what's up and who does what. And I've met hundreds of young people that want to get into it. When you first started doing your voice acting, what did you enjoy about it the most? And has that changed over the last, say, 20, 30 years? It's changed because for a while, the multiple voiced people, they weren't being hired because like, they, they would do impressions. And the idea is to not try to not do impressions. Yep. You know, but, but like they needed sound-alikes and then they didn't want sound-alikes anymore. And so I, I lost my interest in doing impressions. You know, you mean you can take an impression and do a bad version of it, and that's a voice no one's ever heard before. Or you can take your crummy impression of somebody else and then fuse it with a showbiz periphery character or somebody. And, uh, you know, you can come up with different mashups. Yeah, well, a lot of the Simpsons cast base their voices on bad versions of other voices, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so it must work. I'd, I'd love to talk, though, about what goes into creating a voice. I mean, firstly, can you... Can you describe the process of creating a voice from when you have the visual design of a character all ready to go versus when you have no design or description of what that character looks like? Well, you have to have seen and heard and done a lot of things in life, you know, at a young age. And I, and I was like that. I mean, I was in bands when I was 21 and I was out on the road playing music and I met every type of person you could meet. Plus, I was a cop. Well, wow. I, mean, I was like a, a, 
cop with you know with observation and stuff and uh, i would watch and listen to everything and everybody and you know i got to know a lot of types of people and look for similarities because we're all human and you know it all comes down to you know the basic feelings that somebody has and uh, but you learn how to enhance it and they give you a character description and they do show you a a rendering most of the time okay yeah of what they're looking for and so that gives you some clues but you know like Zoidberg he was kind of portly and he had all that cool meat hanging off his face so I, I figured he'd be a mush mouth or a marble mouth and there were a couple of actors that had that kind of that mouth thing going on you know and I uh, I always enjoyed that but I took a couple of them and smashed them together and it became Zoidberg became Zoidberg I think Zoidberg would that be the, the voice you get asked to do the most yeah you need an autograph why not Zoidberg <laughs> It's so three. It's so, it's so three stooges because you like to bring the three stooges aspect into a lot of your characters, don't you? I I try to. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's my. Uh, it's I owe them. You know. I mean, I try to put that in everything. Yeah. What would you say is the most difficult aspect of acting vocally? Um, for me, it's not. It's not hard. If there's something I can't do, and I and I was given the job because I might have fooled them at the audition. <laughs> Bet your ass I'd learn to do it in two seconds because I can always find a way to do something. Even if it's out of my range, I mean, there's mysterious places down in the throat. <laughs> you know, and you have to you have to be like, uh, I don't know, you got to be so in touch with what's going on upstairs and then once you formulate something in your mind, the, the voice will kind of fall into place. Yeah, besides your first audition, obviously, which audition were you most nervous for? Um, which character? Yeah, which character, yeah. Um, I think it was a general angst, you know, when you go in, you you know, you just think, there's a hundred other guys here that are going to be here today. Yeah. And, um, you know, you cast your lot, you, you give it your best shot, you, th- you depend on your instincts, and you try to listen to them telling you things as much as possible because every little thing, you know, it's not like, it's not like, no, you know, people don't have it out for you. When you come to an audition, they're praying you're the guy every time they open up that door. So, you know, everybody gets that kind of consideration. Yeah. Have you ever gone or finished an audition and thought that you'd absolutely nailed it, this job's mine, and you didn't get it? Sure. Which which ones? Do, which characters should oh, Billy West be voicing? I, I can't tell you, really. I mean, it's just, um, if I didn't get it, then it's out of mind. <laughs> Delete it. Uh <laughs> But I mean, there was a lot of times when I thought I had nailed it, and then the part was given to the one who best suited their needs. Yeah, well, because you you originally went for Bender, didn't you? But you, uh, it was John that eventually got it because he brought more of a trucky sort of aspect to it, didn't he? A brawler. He brought like a like a punch drunk fighter yeah. kind of thing to it. How did you sort of approach Bender? Look, when you got given a description, how did you think Bender should have sounded? What was I your? I was just thinking like a rough construction worker, you know, who's. Uh, who's had the hydraulic jack in his hands for 25, 30 years. And, you know, kind of a little out of it, but uh, I don't know, low voice. Well, acting in character is one thing, obviously, but how hard is it to, to sing in character? Because my, my co-host, Mitch, who unfortunately can't be here, he's a mm-hmm. big fan of Buggin' from the Space Jam soundtrack. Oh, and, right. And he just wanted to, me to let you know that he is very thankful that he got to hear Bugs Bunny deliver the line, I'm a bunny, right? All we do is hip-hop. 
Oh, yeah. Well, I think Jay-Z wrote those lyrics. Really? I think so. Yeah, it's, it's a rumor I heard. Okay, it's a rumor, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you would think I was I would know everything about what I was doing when I did it, but, you know, it's the first time I think I professionally ever did the character. Yeah. Well, how hard is it to sing in character? Is it more difficult? It's really to... hard. Yeah? Um, because it's hard enough to escape, disembody yourself from who and what you are and start out anew as a different character that you hope will suspend other people's disbelief. And they'll say... You're kidding me, that's the same person that did that, you know, and this, and <clears throat> that's your job. Yeah. I've been around for so long, people are wise, they always hear some little thing in there and they go, that's got to be him, you yeah, know, yeah, it's yeah. got to be me. But that's from familiarity, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Space Jam is actually celebrating its 20th anniversary at the moment. Can, can you recall any highlights from working on the film? Yeah, I met Michael Jordan. You actually did meet him, that's great. I met him at a wrap-up party at Warner Brothers on the lot. Um, they had a huge party. And uh, he was in a crowd of people, and everybody's calling his name every second. And uh, his his agent uh, saw me, and he just went, Michael. And, and he will turn for that voice, because he knows that voice better than anybody's. And uh, he said, this is Billy West. That's who did Bugs in the movie. And he reaches over like six people and shakes my hand. Wow. Yeah, it was it was really cool. That's that's. A, what, did you get to meet the likes of uh, Bill Murray and Wayne Knight as well, or was it just Jordan? Um, I worked with Wayne Knight later on. Okay. After Space Jam, I didn't know him while we were doing it because the live action was done separately from the uh, yeah anim- obviously animation vo- vocal recordings. Yeah, yeah. Did Did you realize at the time when you were making the film that it would be become this icon that it has now for people of the nineties, particularly my age? I I just every time I go to do anything, I just. I try to bring as much as possible to it, even if it's holding up a franchise character, which I've done before, you know, for seasons of this show or that show. But this one you had to you had to treat with care. You had to handle it with love and, you know, try to find the right balance of the many decades of bugs. Yeah. Yeah, because he was different. No matter who directed him, every director had a different style that he would... Uh, want Mel Blanc to do. Yeah. Just describe the, describe the feeling when you saw his name by your name in the credits of that, that 3D short film. Oh, uh, I wanted to cry. It was like a circuit had been completed that was never supposed to be completed. It's yeah. pure fate. <laughs> the track he did was recorded in 1952. That's the year I was born. Wow. <laughs> That's incredible. Now, obviously, you in Space Jam, you did, you did Alma Fudd. And you, mm-hmm. did Bug- and you did Bugs Bunny. So, you're you known for voicing several characters on the shows that you've worked for over the years. You know, Space Jam and Stimpy, Futurama. Mm-hmm. I-, I was wondering, when two or more of your characters are chatting to each other in one scene, do you do it in one take like Harry Shearer does on The Simpsons, or do you prefer to break it up? Like, what, what works best for you? I-, I learned to do it pretty much in one take because uh, of time constraints. You couldn't spend too much time messing around. You had to... You had to really solidify what you were going to do and just give it, give it your all. Yeah. I've talked to myself through six pages of dialogue, like boom, 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 and no edits. That's amazing. But, but I did, um, I think I did the characters in real time on Doug. Yeah, I did. And uh, Ren and Stimpy was recorded in pieces like I would do Stimpy and then I'd go back through the script as Ren. Yep. Or, and then some incidental characters. Is that, is that because the voices were so different on Ren and Stimpy? Um, no, I don't know if it was that. I just think that, um, that's the way they preferred to work. Okay. 
fair enough. Well, do you ever like to yeah. shake? Do you ever like to shake things up and have characters that you voice from separate shows chat to each other? I mean, like what? For example, what would happen if Zoidberg met Ren? Um, what's with the accent? Sometimes you have it, sometimes you don't. That's because sometimes I'm south of the border, and other times I'm Danish. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> well, you, you you always wanted to work with um with Graining, and you obviously got that in '99. You auditioned '98. You got the parts. Now, you've actually appeared on both of his shows now, The Simpsons and Futurama. How fun was it to recording The Simpsons-Futurama crossover episode? Oh, that was great. I just got a lot of fun in that session. I mean, it was great. Dan Castellano was there. And, you know, um, it was just... It was an iconic thing for me because that thing, it's more famous probably than any other television show and it has more seasons than any other television show so it might be one of the most successful shows of all time period whether it's animated or not yep 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 did, did you sort of what, describe the vibe that that cast has the Simpsons because they've been going for so long now um I don't know the inner workings of it you know I don't know I imagine they like each other but <laughs> you'd hope so you know everybody kind of lives separately and you don't really get together that much except when you're going to record yeah. I don't know the dynamic of it. I've never sat in on a session. Okay. W- w- which Simpsons character would you have loved to have voiced? Or better yet, can, can you do any voices of Simpsons characters? So no. You, be, you can't do any? No, there's none that I that I am interested in. I don't covet anybody's role or voice that they came up with. I applaud it, you know, because yeah. that keeps the bar off the ground. And you let some schlub celebrity come in and do a voice and bang the bars back on the ground. <laughs> Well, before we go, thanks for time. We really do appreciate it. I just want to let you, um, you let us know what's next on the agenda for yourself. I know Graining's working on a show for Netflix. Is that something we could see you on? or? Um, I'm hoping my phone will ring. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> we hope so yeah. too. And so is John. You know, But, I mean, are you kidding? I mean, anything that Matt does, I-, I would be more than interested to-, to come in and offer up something. I hope it happens. I'm also working in commercials all the time doing voiceover and uh, I just finished close to 62 episodes of a, a new show a new cartoon it hasn't been announced yet so okay. I can't tell that's you that's fine yeah it's fine yeah. I could tell you but I'd have to kill myself <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome well that sounds like a Zap Brannigan thing yeah okay. I'd tell you but I'd have to kill myself <laughs> well finally as we wrap things up my, uh, my co-host Mitch he's got one final question that he just begged me to ask you is is, mm-hmm. is Philip J. Fry capable of doing a Zoeberg impression? And if so, how does it sound? Oh, gosh. Um, let's see. Uh, Young lady, bring me a sandwich from the dumpster and leave the maggots on it. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time, Billy. It's been a pleasure. Really do appreciate Thank it. And good luck with the future, mate. Have fun. Thanks. Did you enjoy that, Mitch? I love Billy West with so much passion. But did you like my interviewing skills? Uh, were you Were you talking? Were you there? <laughs> I didn't notice. No. Uh, yes. Well done. I, um, he, he is just one of the all time greats. Not only talent wise, but I feel for him. He's spoken in the past about Phil Hartman helping him kind of get into the scene in LA, and I feel like Billy West has kept that "Don't forget about the little guy" approach throughout his entire career. He's so down to earth. Yeah. A big thanks, by the way, to the guys at Supernova, Daniel, Lionel, and Sky, for teeing all those interviews up. Really, really do appreciate it. Make sure you check out Supernova next year. This year, they had guests like, uh, what's the dude from Jay and Silent Bob? Jason Muse. Jason Muse. He was there. He was one of the guests. Nathan Fillion from Firefly. Huge, huge names. Australia's best pop culture expo. So check it out. Supernova.com.au. But for now, we're going to send them off. Mitch, you got any final words for him, even though you weren't part of the interview? 
Final words, just simply to stick around and make sure you download our John DiMaggio podcast coming right up. Shh.